Um, and then after lunch, we also will have a session with our guest speaker for today, Henry Earl Simpson, um, and his wife and family who will be coming. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Henry up and uh, we'll find out a little bit about him and he's going to share from the web. Why don't we give him a hand? <laughs> Alrighty. All right. Oh, is it on? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, thank you, production team, as well. So, for those who don't know you, uh, what is your name and uh, who are you supposed to bring with you today who aren't currently here? <laughs> uh, my name's Henry L. Simpson. It's a very distinguished English name. You'll probably find that name in Mossman somewhere. Um, my wife and children aren't here because my little baby, he was sick, and, and then the other one was a little bit sick, and then... They're kind of not too badly sick, but they're still coughing on everyone and it's just not a good look to bring them to, with all the other kids because there might be some mum that just looks at you a bit funny. So it's, uh, we just thought we'll keep them away and we'll bring them later. She, might, she may or may not bring the kids, but she's going to come out. Yeah. Okay, and the she you're referring to is your wife? My wife, yes. What's her name? <laughs> her name's Rebecca. Rebecca, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, now you said your name is Henry L. Simpson. Do you prefer to be called Henry, Henry L, or Henry L. Simpson? I don't care. Okay, cool. Henry, Hennessy. Some people call me Hennessy. I don't know why, but... Okay. Henners. I always get Henzo, which is like an Aussie rugby term. Like, Henzo, there you go, mate. Yeah, so I get Henzo. Okay, cool. Well, there's... A few names for everybody. Um, and tell us a bit about what you typically do throughout the week or on your weekend. Um, so during the week, I teach at four high schools. I teach um, special religious education from year seven to ten. Um, so four different high schools. And then I run a youth group and work for my church. So I'm the youth um, pastor, essentially, yeah. Um, being in youth ministry, what is the craziest thing you've ever done with the youth? Oh, craziest. Um, or most memorable thing. Oh, most mem um, okay, well, one time we got locked in at a, at a park, and it was late at night, and um, all the kids that I work with in the Northern Beaches, like, they're kind of well-to-do. And so, um, you know, like, usually at 8 o'clock when youth finishes, all the SUVs roll in, they collect their kids, and they're gone in less than, like, five minutes. So when we were trapped at this park during a bonfire night and we couldn't get out of the gates and like we've got like cars loads of kids waiting to get out. So um, I decided to, me and my friend decided to um, destroy the national property and open the gate up so that we could get out. We essentially broke a, a fence and just pulled it apart <laughs> so we could get out because I wasn't going to be trapped. It was a bit crazy. Uh, that's yeah. probably one of the craziest things. That's, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the craziest thing we've probably done is... We've knocked off the fire extinguisher upstairs, but that was definitely doesn't compare to breaking oh, yeah. fence. You've got you to break things. <clears throat> if, you don't, if you don't break Kids things... Kids at home, don't listen to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you don't break things, are you really doing fun things at youth? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, cool. And final question, uh, a contentious one. What Ooh. is your favourite vegetable? Oh, favourite vegetable? Uh, broccoli. Interesting. Broccoli is very expensive right now. Yeah, so I, an I expensive favourite vegetable to have. I don't buy the groceries in my house, so <laughs> whatever. That's what that's what Brad said as well this week. <laughs> yeah. He was. We had a few friends who were talking about how expensive vegetables were, and he was like, "I don't know because I don't do the grocery shopping, <laughs> so I haven't seen it." And I was like, that's "I'm right. also um, the free spirit when it comes to spending money. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I want what I want, and I just buy it." 
<laughs> my wife's like, did you get the receipt? Did you? I was like, no. How much was it? I don't know. I just, I just like it. <laughs> All right, so join us this afternoon to hear more about how this dynamic plays out. Um, let me pray for you, Henry, and then we'll get underway. Uh, dear God, we thank you for our brother Henry and we thank you for yeah, the blessing that he has been to us um, as a church. We thank you for bringing him here this morning and uh, we pray for Beck and the kids if they're making their way in uh, later this afternoon. Would you take care of them, help uh, remove their sicknesses and just watch over them as they drive in. We pray for Henry as he shares your word this morning. May he do so uh, with boldness and with clarity of mind and would we be open and willing to receive um, from you this morning as well. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to come and see people and see people's faces and it'll be like, I know, I remember that person, I remember that person. When I look around, oh, I'm not allowed to move that, am I? My bad. Um, when I look around, I feel like there's only like maybe seven or eight people that I just can't remember from camp. So that's kind of cool. Um, I don't remember everyone's names, just Jono and Jimmy. I don't know why. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> just a, and, and was there a Ben? Yeah. Yeah. So if I don't remember your name, you're like, hi, Henry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't remember your name. Um, so today I wanted to speak on Seek First the Kingdom of God. Um, it's, a, it's a very, uh, what would you say, uh, it kind of like one of those verses you see on the back of toilets. is like, like a lot of people post this on, you know, on Instagram or you see it on the house. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you need will be given to you as well. Okay? So I kind of want to um, preach on that one verse today. But before we do that, let's just do a little Bible reading. Um, so looking at um, the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And there's uh, Pastor Joe, right on cue. <laughs> um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I wanted to kind of just hone in on uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be given to you. One, because I remember memorizing this verse when I was like I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. It's been a favorite of mine. Um, and I remember when I first read it, it just spoke to me. You know when you read the Bible and like you're in a good zone and the Holy Spirit comes on you and just translates it straight into your spirit and you're just like, boom, I get that. Thank you, God. So for me, this is one of those verses. 
And so um, I got a few points. I'm not sure how long I want to go. Hopefully it's short. Amen. Um, but the first point is we are here. We're kind of here to win the game within the game. And the game within the game kind of reminds me of like if you've ever played um, Poker Texas Hold'em, where you kind of, um, has anyone here played Poker Texas Hold'em before? Anyone like Okay. It's kind of a cool game, right? There's the technicalities of do you have a better hand than this other person and what cards come out and whether you win or not. But there's also the game within the game where you're bluffing and you're deceiving and you're reading body language and you're trying to re- get a read on someone and figure them out. It's like this secondary game within the game. And so the idea is that um, if you're good at the game within the game, you can be good at poker. And the same happens in the sporting world. If you've ever been like, um, playing sports, you try to get under your opponent's skin. You try to have this almost like this uh, mental game where you might say some comments. I remember I used to say on purpose, um, pass me the ball, I've got a mismatch. I try to say that loudly so that the opponent can hear. Because I'm trying to let them hear that I think you're not as good as me. I have no idea. They probably are better than me, and sometimes it works in reverse. They're like, oh, I'm going to show you a mismatch. Do you know what I mean? But you're trying to play this game where you're trying to mentally get under your opponent's skin. Because you know if you can get under their skin, that you've got a better chance of winning the game. And if you do get under their skin, it's like it's going to be you know, a walk in the park. You're just like, oh, I'm, all up. I'm in his head. This is, this is over. And so there's kind of that idea of the game within the game. If, um, it reminds me of um, Ben Simmons, the famous basketball player. He's from Australia. He was number one draft pick um, um, in the final. I think it was last year or the year before. I can't remember. Um, but basically, he got mentally, he became undone to the point where he couldn't shoot um, free throws. Like an, a famous NBA player whose only job is to shoot the ball in the hoop, couldn't shoot free, thro- free throws. The one thing they all practice, he would have practiced this thousands upon thousands of times, and he gets paid millions of dollars just to do this one job. And it's the point where you shoot the ball and no one's guarding you. You just have a free shot. And he couldn't get them in. So, the, so he's like the number one draft pick in the NBA, one of the best players in the NBA. He's in the, the number one starting team, and he can't shoot free throws. So the coach has to take him off at the end of games. Has to take him off the field, because all they're going to do is just foul him, send him to the line. He's going to miss, and they get the ball back. And so it was a big deal because it was like he'd become undone. He mentally couldn't handle the pressure of that moment. And so um, the game within the game, he had definitely lost. And so I feel like when I think of this verse, seek first the kingdom of God, it's like here is the game within the game. We all play the game of life. We're all running around after cars and houses and money and prestige and all these different things, you know, and whatever it could be, and who's got the best children, and what pram did you buy, you know, did you get Bugaboo, the shiny new one, or what kind of, do you have a Tesla? Wow, you must be doing, you know, how many, what's your investment portfolio, you know, how many houses do you own, are they positively geared, look at the weather, you know, like all these different things that we can run after, and they're not bad, it's not bad to have these things, I'll, I'll take a Tesla, you know, amen, praise the Lord, whatever it is. It's not, these things aren't bad, but they're not the main game. That's just stuff we do on earth. The game within the game is to seek first the kingdom of God. And the cool thing about this is that for me, as um, coming to Australia, many of you know my story, but when I arrived in Australia, I had about $300, a bag of clothes, a drug addiction. I was selfish. Um, I thought I was, I was proud. I was very lazy. I didn't want to do many things. 
Um, my teeth had, two of my teeth had rotted into my jawbone because I didn't brush my teeth properly. Like everything about my life was I was losing the game of life. I'm not the sort of person you would think is going to... But the one thing I had going for me is that I knew the truth of God, I knew the Bible, and I just started hanging out with Pastor Roger. That's all I did. I knew that if I was to seek first the kingdom of God, God will look after me. You know? That if I could just do that one thing, it would be okay. Now, many of us, if we were to be put into that um, situation today, we would freak out and lose it, right? You're broke, you've got nothing, everything's... You're single, you know, all these things that, you know, apparently are bad. And it's like, if you really put your, um, I guess, all your worldly, witches, your worldly riches to the side, what do you have left? Well, you have the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that if you were to seek him first and put him first in all things, and it's quite obvious that God's like, I'll give you the clothes. I already fed the birds of the air. You think I'm not going to feed you? Look at the lilies on the ground. Look at those. It's like Jesus is saying, look at it. Look at, take a look around. Relax. Just seek me first. I'll look after you. And it's the one thing that if you think about the, the story of the rich young ruler, he, had, he was holding on to the, to the world too tightly. And when Jesus said, you lack one thing, go give all that away and then come and follow me. He was like, oh, I can't do it. And he walked away sad. Now, he's not an evil guy. In fact, you know, if, if you do all the commandments from a young age, he's probably better than all of us. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, this is not a um, bad guy, but he just held too tightly to the things of the world. And then Jesus said, and then come and follow me. In other words, come and be with me. I've got everything you need. I'm God. Like, just, you chuck all that away. Come with me. You're not going to starve. You're not going to not have clothes. You're not going to have shelter. You'll be with me, and everything's going to be fine. So this idea of to win the game within the game is that if we are all in the game of life, are we all, and you're struggling with those things, maybe it's time to just relax and go, you know what, as long as I seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will take care of themselves. God loves me. He loves me. That's what communion's about, is understanding that I can relax. The price has been paid. I don't have to be somebody. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to... You know, have all the things that everyone else has. I need to stop comparing because Jesus loved me. He's paid a price for me. I have eternity in my heart, and this world is passing by. It'll be gone. And a blink of an eye will be on the other side and be like, what were we worried about? My goodness, here we are in heaven. What's going on? You know, I was freaking out. My house wasn't positively geared. The interest rates were rising. Interest rates. Climate change, COVID, it's like all these things, it's like relax, calm down. They're not bad to think about, yes, I get it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be given to you. God has everything in his plan. The world is in his hands. We sing it at Sunday school, you know. They got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole... And then we become adults and we're like, eh, actually, I think I need to put it in my hands. And even if you might not actually say that, sometimes subconsciously we start to do that. You know, we stress out at work and we really got to make sure we do everything. And we need to do this and I need to do this and I need to perform and I need to do this. And I've got to stay faith and I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And sometimes it's like, remember that song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Remember that. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and everything that you need will be given to you. And I've just lost my notes. What happened? So even now, I just had to relax. Calm down, Henry. It's okay. You've lost your notes. You'll find them. Got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Maybe I deleted them. That's okay. Yeah. So um, to illustrate this, I was thinking of. Um, you guys know the story of the thief on the cross? You may or may not, but let's have a look. It's in Luke. It'll be near the end, so there's 24 chapters. Let's try 21. Let's have a look there. No, not 21. Not 22. 23. No, 24. No, yeah, 23. Verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him saying, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is, a, this, I love this story. It's a crazy, miraculous story of a man, a criminal, who's dying on the cross. His whole life is probably, you know, he's, he's obviously a bad person to be crucified. And he's got nothing going for him. And somehow his eyes open and he gets the game within the game in that point. And he receives salvation out of nowhere. And he totally gets it. Look at, look at what he says. He says, um... Don't you fear God? So he's like, the other guy, one criminal's insulting Jesus, which is just a sad story. Like if you're ever like at the lowest of lows and you've been tortured and you're about to die, just say something nice. <laughs> you know, like, with your dying breath, I will insult the other person next to me. This is all I got left to do. It's like, come on, man. So he's dying, and the criminal says, don't you fear God? Since you were under the same sense, we are... Punish justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This is Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Look at those words. When you come into your kingdom. Not when you come into the kingdom. It's like he understood who Jesus was. It's like he had a revelation somehow. It's like, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like It's like he knows who Jesus is. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, you've done your whole life playing this game, you failed, but right at the end, you won the game that matters. You sought the kingdom. You somehow had a revelation of who Jesus was, and your heart changed. And in the blink of an eye, you're about to die soon, and you'll be in paradise. And that's a cool story. It's like, wow, you found Jesus. Just in that moment, it reminds me of Zacchaeus, who I shared at camp. I'm pretty sure I shared the story of camp. But Zacchaeus who he's got everything going for him. He's a chief tax collector, although he probably doesn't have any friends and he might be lonely and probably you know, depressed because he's stealing money off his fellow people, but he doesn't really care for some reason. But after a while, and he understands, I guess, he's going nowhere. He's like, you know, I've got nothing. I've absolutely got nothing. I've chased the money and it didn't work. 
I chased the money, it didn't work. But now I know what I need, and it's Jesus. So I'm going to run here, I'll climb the tree, come to my house. Jesus says, well, Zacchaeus, come, we're going to be at your house. And Zacchaeus is like, yo, here's half the money, throw that away. Take that other half, I'll pay everyone back. It's like he understood, he, he realized this game does, means nothing unless I win the game within the game, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God. So once he understood who Jesus was, like everything else didn't matter anymore. And sometimes I think even as mature Christians, we get caught up in the game of life too much, the physical game of what we're looking around. We do it on Sundays here and there, we get glimpses, but more and more we have to understand, man, seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else doesn't matter, but put God first. And God, in his wisdom and in his love for us as his children, he already wants to give us good things. He's already got it for us. So let's relax, take a breath, understand that Jesus loves us, and he will care for us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Um, so how do we do these things? <clears throat> how do we seek first the kingdom of God, you might ask, in, in, in a practical way? And so I was thinking like, you know, more like, there's that old saying, you know, um, not that saying, it's like a Bible verse, we have to be in the world but not of the world. To be in the world but not of the world. And I always look at it like to hold the things of the world loosely, not too tightly. And how do you prepare yourself to hold things loosely? And for me, I think the easiest way I can think of this is um, when you go to funerals. <clears throat> when you go to funerals. And so let me just read out this verse. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Verse 2, it says, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every one. The living should take this to heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, is verse 4, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Have you ever noticed at a funeral of someone you really love, everything else doesn't matter right now? You couldn't care less. If Eugenie was able to come down and say, Henry, would you like your sister return to, to return to life? And I would say, yes. He would say, I want you to give away everything you have and quit your job and move to a random country on the other side of the world and I will bring your sister back. I'll be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, no, no problems. Why would we say that? Because we know intrinsically as human beings, relationships are our greatest thing that we have. That's it. Everything else is kind of meaningless. It doesn't matter if you have everything and you're emotionally withdrawn and nobody loves you and you're lonely. What's the point? What's the point if your kids go to these great private schools but then they grow up and they don't love you and they don't want to be around you? You're just like, oh, well, that was no good. What's the point of going to all these work all the time, work, 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 and then your kids sort of grow up and they're just like, oh, I don't have many memories of my mum and dad. It's like, oh, that's, that wasn't great, was it? And so I always think at a funeral, people are a lot more open to the things of God. They're a lot more open to what's on the other side. When you're at a funeral, you think deeply about your worldview. Where did we come from? What happens when you die? What's right and wrong? Do you know what I mean? And so, not that you can plan to go to a funeral of a loved one or that you'd ever want to, but there's something about thinking about 
death being the destiny of every man and the living should take this to heart, that helps you to realise to hold the things of this world loosely. But, you know, don't hold too tightly to all these things we run after, that the, that the Bible says the pagans run after those things. But you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And kids have often said to me before in scripture, they're like, oh, you know, so when you get to heaven, is it going to be, you know, what's it going to be like? What's going to be there? You know, is it going to be like animals and lambs? Like, you know what makes heaven heaven? It's the relationships of people there. It's the people there, and it's Jesus in his home. It's not, you know, if, if, if you get arrived at heaven, it was this great place, but Jesus wasn't there, then you don't really have heaven, do you? It's just a nice place. What makes heaven heaven is that the king of kings lives there. Does it make sense? You go, you want to seek the first kingdom of God because you're trying to seek Jesus, not what he can offer you in heaven. And so, um, yeah, not trying not to get caught up in the cares of this world by thinking about that verse from Ecclesiastes, death is the destiny of everybody. The living should take this to heart. As I live and my understanding, you know, the concept of death, people pass on. What does that mean for me? How are my relationships? You know, what is really important in life? Is it this or is it that? Because if I lose that, I'm gone. But if I lose my job and all the money, well, just go work hard and get another job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jobs are not, you know, it's not the end of the world. So think about that. Um, <clears throat> And so it's, it's a hard thing to do, you know. Um, in my area, there was a lady called um, Sophie Scamps. Has anyone heard of this lady? I swear during the election, her poster was everywhere. Vote Sophie Scamps, climate change liberal endorsed. Well, like her poster was everywhere. I don't know how much money she had, but it was like millions of dollars. Like it was on YouTube. It was like on everything. Sophie Scamps on TV all the time. I was like, who's this Sophie Scamps? And everyone's going on about climate change. It's like... You know, Jesus is coming back, and I'm pretty sure the humans will be alive when he comes back. So the earth's not going anywhere. And, and, you know, and people would say to me, oh, so you don't care about climate change? Like, no, I do. Like, yeah, do your best. I recycle. I pick up rubbish. I care about the planet. I care about animals. But I'm not in this idea that the earth's going to die. It's not dying. It's not going to pass away. One, we do get a new heaven and a new earth, so I know that from the Bible. And two, I know Jesus is coming back. So he must be coming back to something that's here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So relax. Like, yes, climate change is an issue. Yes, I should do my best, reduce your carbon footprint or whatever, you know. But at the same time, like, calm down. Because to me, if you have a biblical worldview, you understand that Jesus got everything in, in, in control. So no, I'm not too worried about that too much. But yes, I will do my best as a steward of the garden you know, or to, to steward the earth with the resources I have. Um, and so my last point is pretty simple. It's more than my current understanding. So keep looking. That's what I wrote. <laughs> so whatever seeking first the kingdom of God looks like in my life personally, it's more than I currently have. So that means if it's more than I currently have, I need to keep going. I need to keep seeking God. I need to keep looking. Whatever it is, it's more than what I'm currently at. In other words, if you were to think of it in terms of um, training, you have to keep training. If you were to think of it as in terms of um, 
having a good marriage, you have to keep having date nights. If you were to, and so as far as God is concerned, no one has reached the top of the mountain yet. We're all here. And so we still have this almost like this responsibility as Christians to keep growing. We're supposed to keep growing. It says in John 15, uh, For I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Like if your life is going really, really good right now, amen, praise the Lord, but you're supposed to get even better. And so I'm supposed to pursue God more than I currently am. And so I think for me that means keep the heat on, keep the pressure on, keep forging forward. It's like um, if you were playing a game, and I was, um, I'm a bit of one of those guys, it's like um, if I'm thrashing the other team, I just go hard to the, to the, to the whistle. There's no relaxing for me. Because I was um, of the philosophy that you have to train and play the game like you're going to play in the final. And if you play in the final against a hard team, you can't relax. And so even though you play the bad teams and you're thrashing them, I'm like, go hard. Practice what you're going to be when you're in the best moments. And so it's like, with God, it's like, yeah, you're doing pretty well. You're going good. But keep the pressure on. Don't relax. Don't sit back. Keep initiating steps of faith towards God. And so even when Pastor Joe um, asked me to come out and do this thing, I thought it was just a parent thing, where me and my wife were going to come out, we were going to share some wonderful expert tips on how to raise children the perfect way. Um, so stick around if you want that. Because um, I've got a five-year-old, so I, obviously I know what I'm doing. Uh, um, so, you know, Pastor Joe said, yeah, so um, did you want to preach on that same day? I was like, oh, as well. Because I have to preach tonight at my church. You know, so I was like, oh. Immediately, my lazy side says, no, I can't be bothered. Like, you know. And then I can spiritualize it because I'm preaching tonight. And I have other things to take care of, you know. So I can start to think of reasons why I shouldn't. But there's always one thing I've learned about seeking the, first, the kingdom of God is that stay uncomfortable. Just keep saying yes to these things that you're like, oh, I could probably get out of that. But no, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'll preach. I just said yes. He's like, oh, you sound a bit hesitant, bro. I was like, well, I'm not hesitant. Like the spirit, <laughs> I said, I'm a yes and a no. He's like, oh, what does that mean? I was like, the spiritual side of me says always say yes. Always pursue God. Always be uncomfortable. The lazy side of me says, nah, I can't be bothered. Do you know what I mean? I had a camp recently um, called River Camp, which I run for my high school students. I invite them to come along to camp. Because I, I, I quickly figured out if they can come to a, a three or four day camp, you get more time with them than a whole year of scripture. So if you can get them along, it's just like boom. You know, it's, it's, it's a big um, step up for their faith in most, in most cases. You know, everyone goes to camp and becomes a Christian, right? So um, I run this camp. The paperwork is just like, you know, I have to do a, a risk assessment in case you're walking along a bush path. And the snake bites you. What are you going to do? Who's the first aid officer? Where's the nearest hospital? How far is that? Are you doing kayaking? Okay, cool. Is it open water or is it a close? Oh, it's a river. But how wide is the river? I don't know. I haven't measured it. Well, you need to know because if it's more than 50 meters, it's open water. So now you do another risk assessment, you know? And it's like, oh, my gosh. So running these camps is a big deal for me. And then I've got to figure out who's coming to the camp, what's the transport, who's staying where, kids will come up to me during the camp. Oh, so yeah, someone's got a vape. So, oh, gosh, who brought this kid along? Is he from, 
You must be from out west. Um, why are you here? <laughs> All these things, right? And at the same time, I had um, two uni exams on the Monday, and we finished the camp on the Sunday. And I knew if I went to the camp, I'm not going to study for the exam. I just know I'm not. So I had to make a decision. Now, I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but to me, I was like, nah, I'm just going to go to the camp. I'm just going to relax, calm down. And then on the Monday before the exam, which was, the exam was about 4 o'clock, I would just get up early and just study all day for the exam. <laughs> and I've, I've always been a big believer in, like, if you do the work during the year, the exam's not such a big deal because you've, you know, you've put in the work, you've done the readings, you've watched the tutorials, you, you know. If you do the work, you've got a fairly good grasp. And if you've done well in your internal assessments, you've already worked, oh, I need 14% to pass, so it doesn't matter too much. But then you have to pass the exam to pass the whole thing. Anyway, I'm just like, you know what, I'll just go. And it wasn't that I was, I'm not saying that this is the right spiritual thing, but for me it was. It was like, seek first the kingdom of God. Henry, you already knew you had this camp from the start of the year. You knew the dates of the exam. And this is why you studied hard before the exam. You didn't make the, oh, you know, because a lot of people, you know, you'll come across, and I'm not saying this is bad, but a lot of my leaders, oh, I can't come, I've got uni exams. Like, why don't you study beforehand? Get it all done. If you know, I told you, like, months ago, the camp was here. But there's always good reasons to pull out of things, you know? And you even notice how it's really easy to pull out of ministry things? But my God, you'll be at work on time, on time, every time. When it comes to getting paid... But then church stuff is like, oh, I can't come. I've got a little bit of... Uh, uh. You're just like, oh, seek, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Are you really pushing? Are you staying uncomfortable? Are you really putting the heat on, the pressure on yourself and just like going for it? Because I could have just like easily not done this today, but I decided, you know, yeah, I'll do it. I enjoyed the camp. I liked the people. It was a bit quiet at the start, but everyone relaxed during the end. Remember this guy was doing his um, magic carpet ride thing? That was funny. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, it's like a going joke. It happens every year. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I'll finish with this verse from Romans chapter 12. Let's go there. So the verse is from uh, chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I think for me, what does that look like for me? One of the practical ways I apply this is that, you know when you come to church and you're not really feeling that churchy yet, and the first song starts and kind of takes a while to get into it? For me, I'm just like, just go, just go, go. Close your eyes, stop looking at everyone, just get in the mode, get in the zone. Don't lack zeal. Let's just go for it right now. Don't wait for everyone else to be all... Don't wait for the third song, where this is your favorite song, and I love this song. Just like, get in there. First verse, just get in there. You know? Don't be analyzing the worship team. You know, like, oh, that girl, can she play every instrument? She plays the guitar, then she plays the keyboard. Does she play everything? You know? Don't be analyzing things and like, oh, was that flat? Was that out of time? Or blah, blah, blah. Like, just you and the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, it doesn't look empty. Not many people say, close your eyes. Just look forward. Look up. And so that kind of, for me, that's what it looks like to not be lacking in zeal, but to like, just go for it. Let's go. You know that kind of idea? Let's go. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. These are kind of the practical applications of what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God. 
It's this idea that I'm joyful. I'm patient when things are going bad. I'm faithful in prayer. I share with the Lord's people who are in need, and I practice hospitality. That's a hard one, eh? Because like, if you're like, if you're busy all the time, it's just like the last thing you want to do is invite people over for dinner. Because it's like I've got church on Sunday, I've been busy all week, and now I don't want to invite people over it's Saturday. I want to relax and watch sports. But it's like, no, practice hospitality. Practice it. It's like, oh, okay, we'll invite people over, have some dinner, blah 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 blah. You know, <laughs> I'm not talking to anyone in specific. So if it's your thing, it's your thing, it's, you know. So yeah, and I'm just like, you know, like when you do a lot of things, like you talk a lot and you're up in front of the school, when you get home, it's like, I just want to like not be a leader for one second. And then, but my wife, she loves cooking and she loves making meals for people and that. So it's like, I always remember that breast, practice hospitality. Is your, is your Christianity something that you do when you're up the front or is it something you practice in your home? And so, yeah, never be lacking in zeal. Um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be given to you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we submit our lives to you. We pray that you will make our path straight. We ask that you would help us with our lack of belief. Help us to have faith. Help us to see opportunity and to respond. Keep us uncomfortable, Lord. Help us to keep the heat on, to keep pursuing you, to, to know that we haven't arrived yet. We love you, Jesus. And we only ask that you would help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that in all things, Lord, we would hold to those things loosely and that our hearts would be turned to you. Give us the heart of Zacchaeus or the thief on the cross, Lord, just to see you and only you. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and all of the glory, Lord Jesus. We praise you, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate us. Help us to keep our spiritual eyes and ears open. Amen.